As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Built to Last show. I'm so excited for our guest today, Deb Bollinger. She is the queen of the great do-over. And man, are we in a time right now of doing things over. I'm sure over the last two to two and a half years, Deb, obviously you have probably seen people doing do-overs from corporate to starting their own businesses. And something else that we've really seen a lot of in the entrepreneurial world is people shifting from what they used to be doing past models, past ideal clients, um, you know, just the way that they were operating in the past. And they're really starting to make some massive shifts. I've even had some conversations with seven-figure business owners who have literally pressed the pause button on their seven-figure programs, and they're doing a do-over. So this could not be better timing. I'm so excited to dive in with you. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Megan. I'm excited to be here. Cool. Well, how about you start with a bit of a background? I know you had a corporate career for quite a few decades. You bring a lot of experience from that world into the business world in the digital online space, which in my opinion, we need a lot more of. Uh, And now you've had your own business for about a decade. So if you'll kind of fill us in on the gaps, catch us up to speed on what you do now, and then we'll, we'll keep diving into this conversation. Yeah. When I first started The Great Do-Over 10 years ago, it was really for women who were reinventing themselves in midlife. And um, I always, I'm a big believer in investing in yourself. And my job in the corporate world was actually launching service offerings. I worked for a technology advisory services firm and my job, my secret sauce, and I didn't know it was the secret sauce at the time, was to identify the gap in the marketplace, uh, that problem that no one was solving, and create new solutions and package them, price them, message them, and get them off to the sales force to go sell. And after I launched my own business and I was joining these high-end masterminds that we all joined because we want to learn all the things about online marketing... I looked around and I I said these these other mostly women don't really have a business. They really they just have an idea. And no one wanted to buy what they were selling. And it broke my heart because they had invested, you know, $10,000, $20,000 to get these learnings and trainings and these year-long programs and it just wasn't going to work. And it was at that point in time that I looked back and said, wait a minute, this is a problem I can solve. I took it for granted that I had launch skills built into me when I made that leap. And most people don't. So that's where the Launch Lab for Women Entrepreneurs was born. I just took that same framework of market research, identifying the need, testing out your concept, coming up with your messaging, and building a one-page business model so that you have confidence that people want to buy what you're selling. It was just so basic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's such a, there's been a conversation for a long time in the online and digital and coaching spaces. Um, I think it's gotten louder over the last year or two years where people are talking about, you know, there's so many 
quote unquote, business coaches selling these programs and these masterminds mm. teaching business, but did they actually have a business background? And I, I hold like really, really high regard for anybody in any industry, in any field running a business where they have a background, whether it's education, credentials, experience, but it is like well beyond, I read it in a book or I took a coaching program, or this is just what I'm super interested in. I would love to hear from your corporate perspective, what elements of like how corporate does business do you bring into the training, the principles, the modalities, the techniques into helping women build a business? Because most of your clients probably start out as a solopreneur Mm -hmm. and then eventually they build a team. But what are some of those principles from corporate that you are beautifully bringing into how you're working with your clients now? Yeah. So the first, the first is you test before you invest, you know, we do market research and um, that's the only way that you can really stand out in a crowded market. So here we are, right? It's the great resignation. Um, 400,000 people have decided they don't want to work in an office anymore. They're not returning. And they're hanging out their shingles as fractional executives, consultants, maybe they're getting a coaching certification. But what they don't understand that you and I understand is how hard it is to actually get business and to stand out. So they take these cookie cutter courses from these, excuse me, what I call one hit wonders, and um, they learn a technique and they start applying that technique, but they, they don't really have a business. They don't have a business model. They're not even aware of the creative ways they could be delivering services to clients to really stand out. So number one is test before you invest so you can stand out in a crowded market. And number two, the principle that I bring, and I ran a... Um, Um, I used to launch all these products and then I would hand them over to a product manager who would get all the glory for growing the line of business. So at one point I said, hey, I've created this concept. I would like to run it. I would like to launch it and run it with a team. And we started with a team of about six people. And in 30 months, we were $32 million and a team of 53 people. Mm -hmm. And it was through that managing of that business that I realized the importance of setting sales goals, understanding when you were going to reach capacity and you needed to add to your team, understanding how to retain clients once you brought them on board, and how to make that growth predictable. We were growing at about a 70% growth rate year over year. And then the last three years of my business, I've grown at an 80% growth rate year over year. And I believe that when you have those right systems and processes in your marketing, and you're doing the right things at the right time, that growth is predictable. Yeah. Yeah. How do you stay focused on your goals and the numbers and the logistics and the systems and the structures and all the things that we know make a business a business and balance that out with things like following your gut or your intuition, or, you know, this is not my language. I don't ever use this language, but uh, the audience will know what it means. Kind of balancing out like masculine and feminine, right? I don't ever use those words, disclaimer, but we hear so (laughs) much of that in the space. I think people have a really hard time actually integrating those two worlds because Mm. you and I know, and I, you and I both love, we love systems. We love structure, numbers, goals, measurables, KPIs. I love spreadsheets. Like 
I can create spreadsheets all day long. It's like this big joke with my clients. There's like, she will always figure out a way to create a spreadsheet. I'm like, yeah, because you have to track things. And, but sometimes we can get almost too focused on that. And then it becomes really, really hard, grueling work. We could tend to lose the passion or use the love for it, or our heart's not in it anymore. How do you keep both of those alive in your own business? Yeah, that's such a, such a great question, Megan. Really? It's a question nobody asks. Um, it's a combination of logic and intuition. And I was thinking this morning as I was listening to your podcast about uh, people who you know get a certain way and then then they kind of retreat as soon as it gets hard or they, you know, I had a coach one time years ago who said sometimes you need to be with the suckage. But as you grow and develop, that's a shorter period of time, right? If something doesn't work out, you can go pout for an hour, but don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and abandon your strategy for a month. So I think it's a common it's it's really about having faith. It's about mm-hmm. being committed to this journey, believing that you're serving a purpose. And in my case, I believe I'm divinely guided to do what I'm doing. So the intuition to me is divine guidance. Mm. And so I've learned not to question that. And when it feels hard, when I get in my own way that I don't know enough, or it feels icky, I don't like to go live, I'm not having a good hair day. That's when I say, you know what, if you have an intuitive hit, that there's something important to say to your audience, whether through the podcast or through going live on a social media channel, then there's someone out there who needs to hear that message. So just get over yourself yeah, and go out there and do it. And one of the things talking about spreadsheet geeking out, um, one Saturday morning, I woke up with this vision of a revenue calculator. And I said to my partner, I'm making my coffee, going to my office, don't bother me for a couple of hours. And I built out a revenue calculator that my clients could enter a revenue goal, a stretch goal, model the prices of their services, and understand exactly how many clients they needed and how many prospects they needed to reach in order to meet that goal. Mm -hmm. Now, there's nothing brilliant about that spreadsheet. It's really just simple math. But the brilliance was it was an intuitive hit. And it is probably the number one marketing asset that I have that attracts people to my business that gives them an immediate result. Yeah. So to me, that's like balancing the masculine and the feminine. Um, It also has to do with faith, knowing that I don't have to struggle to get leads, that as long as I'm operating the way I'm supposed to be operating in my business, as long as I'm being seen and heard, as long as I'm committing to fulfilling my own commitments to myself, then people will come. Yeah. And it's not that for- false belief, like if you build it, they will come. No. If you do the right things, if you commit to being seen and heard, if you commit to being consistent and being visible, and you have a message that really lands because you did your research, mm-hmm. then you can trust. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine that the faith comes first in all of this. First, believe before you receive. Yeah. And it's a, you know, from my experience, there's also a recommitment to both of those worlds on a daily basis. There's a recommitment. It's not like we're just like, oh, I have faith. I mean, I'm a faith-based person as well, mm-hmm. but that's a recommitment for me on a daily basis. And I have my practices where I do that. It's also a recommitment every single day to do the work, to be consistent, to be committed. And I think that's something that, I mean, I have certainly struggled with at times and being committed to and knowing what I'm committed to. 
Am I committed to the old standards that I set for myself? Or my oh my gosh, this thinks keeps going off. Or am I committed to like the new standards and the place that I want to get to? But that faith has to come first. I also find I'd be interested in hearing this from you. Sometimes I find that it can be challenging to lead someone or lead a client or help them navigate their challenges when they don't have that belief or faith, whatever we want to call it. Sometimes that can be very, very challenging, I've noticed. Yeah. um, You know, there's a lot of fear when a client is really steeped in fear. And I think um, you can't have faith and fear in the same place at the same time. So I've started, and I know you have too, and others, I think faith has come out of the closet, so to speak, the last 12 months or so. I I hear more and more people, especially really prominent um, coaches, mentioning their faith. Um, I and I, as I mentioned this to my clients, that there's a reason why we're having this conversation. You know, this isn't an accident. That more and more people who also feel divinely guided are also coming into my client circle. Mm-hmm. But the problem with people who aren't don't have faith and don't trust the journey is that fear gets in the way. Yeah. And so, as a coach, I think it's really important for us to kind of intuit. I can watch people in the live room, whether we're in the accelerator or the launch lab. And, you know, I can see someone sitting back in the chair or retreating or someone who doesn't show up for two weeks in a row and then reaching out. And I think it's important that we're able to address those fears that people have to show them another way that you don't really have to worry. You don't have to have it all tied up in a beautiful bow Mm -hmm. that the beauty of this entrepreneurial journey is learning and growing as you go along and you learn about yourself, you grow through your knowledge and that's what it's all about. Yeah. There's nothing like launching that will test your faith (laughs) and test your commitment. You and I both know that. So let's let's dive into launching a little bit. You know, there are so many different ways that we are taught how to launch. I mean, you teach a particular way to launch. We've got live launch method, the the five day challenges, the older school, which I still see people doing the uh, pre recorded video model that then goes to a sales page. We have the lean launch method that I have seen out there. Like there's there's so many different ways to launch. When you're guiding people to launch, right? Like, and, and let's just be clear, everybody listening, when it comes to launching, corporate businesses are launching all the time. All the time. They're, it's like a perpetual launch. And when we get into this entrepreneurial space, there's, you know, all this hubbub around, I don't want to, I don't want to launch. I don't want to launch. I don't want to do launch cycling. I don't want to launch repeatedly over and over and over again. I don't like the way I'm launching. I don't like the way you're teaching me to launch. This doesn't work for me. We hear all of that, right? But it's sort of a kind of a business principle, right? If you want to stay in business, you've got to be launching in some way. Is there something to be said about figuring out in, and I'd love to hear how you do this. Even though you have a particular way, you probably teach launching. Do you figure out what might be most aligned with each individual client? Like, is that a thing where based on, I don't know, like personality or strengths or uh, natural tendencies or the way that you operate or what you're selling or who the ideal client is, how does that factor into figuring out how anyone listening, right? We're not all wired the same way, could be more in alignment 
with the best way for them to launch so that they can be more committed to it. And we're not hearing all those complaints or just like, you know, let me, I just have to throw my hands up in the air. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I think that's such an important question and there's no, you know, there's no one right way to launch, but I will tell you how I launch my business. And one thing I teach my clients because it's the easiest and quickest way to get a hit um, with a launch and that's webinars. I mean, I literally have grown this entire business through webinars alone um, for the most part. And so COVID, I, I doubled my business in 2020 and um, it didn't change anything. And I think that having three or four signature talks that are crafted in a way that you're delivering great content, you're teaching, uh, but you're not over-teaching, over-coaching, or giving away too much and leaving your audience feeling overwhelmed, and you're extending an invitation to you're making an offer for people who are ready to work with you. I think that's the simplest form of a launch. Having a one-hour workshop that you can deliver in person, you can deliver online, and then you curate your referral ecosystem. So for me, when I realized that I had one professional network that was a $100,000 lead stream for me, I was like, wow, all my clients are coming from this one network. If I added three more networks to my referral ecosystem, well, I could have four $100,000 referral systems, referral networks. And so um, that's what I did. And I made sure that I had at least four speaking engagements on my calendar every month. And that's how I made revenue growth predictable in my business. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's all about skills development. It's all about getting better at having conversations and uh, dialing in and listening to what's going on in your marketplace and offering valuable content that solves a new problem. So this isn't static. We don't live in a static world. People's needs are changing. There's new challenges that arrive all the time. There's external forces like the pandemic, like the great resignation, you know, the challenge around DEI, there are so many new gaps emerging every single day that um, we need to be adaptable and change our message based on what people most need to hear. And having a talk that you can deliver consistently is the simplest way to launch. Yeah. At, at what point in your business did you realize or put put like, let's, let me ask it this way. At what point in your business did you really put into practice the repetition, the consistency of it's, it's webinars for me. Mm-hmm. It's this talk for me or this small collection of talks. Mm-hmm. It's referral based. How long did it take you to get to that point? Did you try other things first and then find you're like, wait a minute, it's this. And I'm going to, I'm going to duplicate it. I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to be consistent because we all know, and you know, this from corporate, that kind of is, if we're going to talk about any kind of magic sauce in the business. It is that. It is mastering the basics and the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. It's figuring out what works and it's repeating it over and over and over again without getting too bored with it that you just throw it out. At what point did you start really capitalizing on that particular process for your business? Yeah. Well, it was, I started doing webinars from day one, like 10 years ago, the first thing I did, and it was way before Zoom. It was a platform called Instant Teleseminar. I was going to say Instant Teleseminar on the phone. 
on the phone, right? And I, I was so nervous because I, you know, believe it or not, uh, speaking was not a natural skill for me. And so I was grateful that no one saw me on, on camera, but I had my slides up and I was talking it through. So I was doing it, but it wasn't until I really made the switch to business coaching. And I realized that um, my way of thinking and breaking down concepts and teaching I also have teaching in my background before I went to corporate was something that people really enjoyed. And they walked away saying, oh my God, that was fantastic. And I once did a webinar for one of my professional networks and 550 people registered, 200 showed up live. It was the first time I had to hire a virtual assistant because I knew if 200 people were showing up live, there was no way I was going to be able to handle demand as a result of that training. And so that that kind of really clicked. It was that one experience. I was like, oh my God, I just got 20 clients. That was pretty awesome. How else can I use the same technology or the same marketing technique and rinse and repeat? Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized that in order to double my revenues, just double down on what was working. It's really simple when you break it down. It is very simple. How do you stay in that lane? I, you know, we both see this where someone gets fairly good at a particular process that's working and it's bringing in clients and then they see the next best thing. And maybe they look at their own numbers and they're like, I'm not as far along, far along as I'd like to be, or maybe last month or last webinar just wasn't as great as I wanted it to be. And then we see people just like jumping into the next thing. How do you and how have you for a, a fairly substantial amount of time, longer than most in business, how have you remained in your lane of what you know works for you? Because you, in a decade, you know, we just heard you say instant teleseminar, all phone, you have seen so many changes in the last 10 years, so many new things and tools and tricks and whatever mm-hmm. that we could be using you haven't jumped ship from what you know works for you. Clearly, you had the numbers to prove that 80% growth year over year, doubling your business in 2020. How do how do you stay in your lane? Yeah. So what I realized is that the magic is in the personal connection. And mm-hmm. it took me a while to realize that because growing up as a kid who is somewhat insecure, um, having kind of low self-esteem, realizing that there was an impact when I was in the room with people was something. And that's where faith comes in because it enables you to see yourself in a different light. And I'm getting a little chills like talking about this, but being able to see yourself in a bigger way than you conceive internally with your ego, but understanding that whatever you're doing is making an impact. So it doesn't need to be a webinar. I can just decide I'm gathering a group of people together to have a conversation about a particular topic and then invite people into a conversation. And this week I'm in a live launch. You know, I've decided that, you know, I've got these warm referral networks, but I want to up up the ante a little bit. I wanted people to get to know me in an expedited fashion by spending five days in a row with me over how to crack the code on predictable revenue growth. So I'm doing that, but I'm doing it in the live room. I would never record videos and post them up on a site because that's not in alignment with who I am. I always invite people into the live room. I always laser coach it's just not me on a Facebook live stream where you're watching passively and you're typing in the comments. It's just like, I want to hear from you. 
I want to riff about your business model. And so yesterday was just so much fun. I had one of these moments where after the presentation, we were talking about different business models and how to create a value stack in your value ladder for how you you stack up your your products for your clients. And people were coming into the live room and being able to just riff about their industry and their business model and what opportunities would be available to them. I mean, it was just like light bulbs were flashing. And then I had this bliss moment of like, oh, this is so cool. This is just what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. And so any just put me in a live room anytime. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the common denominator. It doesn't need to be a webinar. It could be an intimate conversation. It could be a live launch, but I'm doing a live launch with live people in the room. I'm what, you know, it's interesting. You were mentioning when you were a child, you had insecurities. Speaking was not your like first language. And I think a lot of us grew up with a lot. I mean, I don't know who didn't grow up with certain insecurities. I know I did. They still bubble up at times today. Where I notice in myself, they tend to bubble up and where I'm having conversations more behind closed doors than anything. I'm starting to talk about it quite a bit more on this show. And that's what I was mentioning at the opening of of our conversation, where we're also seeing a lot of already very financially successful business owners in this online space press the pause button or burn down what they built and what made them money. And they're completely shifting. They're going in a, in a very brand new direction. And we're seeing it, at least from my perspective in my conversations, we're seeing it largely with business coaches or sales coaches or something in that business category. And they're just like, I'm done. I'm done with working with this type of person I've worked with. I'm done teaching the way I'm teaching. I'm done forcing. I'm done fixing. I'm done solving everybody's problems. There's so much more to life and growth and personal development business. And I'm going to go in this direction. And I have no doubt anybody doing that, if they know how to build a seven-figure business, they can repeat that and do that again. What I'm also seeing and having behind closed doors conversations with some of these people around is all their insecurities are coming up. And they're coming up all over again. All the fear comes up all over again. And to them, it it is their great do-over, right? And a lot of those people did leave corporate at one time. Now they're kind of doing this do-over all all over again. What insight or words of wisdom would you have to share with someone who's going through that right now? Because it does not, it is not just a I'm just gonna go in a new direction and it all just comes pouring down on you. It's you're not. It's not overnight again. You're basically a startup all over again to a degree. What pieces of advice or words of wisdom would you share with that person who's experiencing that right now? Yeah, I mean, as long as you're guided by your north star, um, you know, fear is like fear and faith can exist together if you have a purpose, if you have a, a goal, and you know, I totally get it. I mean, not everybody is cut out to grow a multiple seven-figure business with a huge staff running it. I was just questioning myself this morning, listening to your podcast. I was like, you know, how big do I really want this business to grow? And I think we need to ask ourselves those questions. And if we've drank the Kool-Aid or or compared ourselves to others and modeled other people's success, and then we get there and we go, wait a minute, how did I get here? This isn't what I wanted. This isn't the lifestyle I want. So I think um, number one, to prevent having to have a great do-over is like 
cueing into those intuitive hits as they're coming about as you're growing your business. You know, does this feel right? Are these the right people? Um, I've honed my ideal client over time. I don't work with women who haven't had a corporate background. It just doesn't work. You know, I it's a logical formula that I laid out. And if you're, you know, just want to rely on your intuition and not data and logic, then we're not a good fit together. But I think um, it's like we have to define a business model and define what success looks like to us. And for some, that might be, you know, an eight-figure business that that you really enjoy running and, you know, generating millions of dollars in revenue. And for others, and I think especially as you get older, so I am almost 20 years older than most of my peers in this industry. And so for me, it's a matter of, well, how much longer do I want to do this? And how hard do I want to work? And what is an alignment, not only with my vision and values, but my lifestyle? How do I want to spend my time? Mm -hmm. So I think we're always reinventing and questioning. But yeah, if if you're going to make a huge leap and do a 180 in your business, then it is starting over. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I think we probably don't reevaluate who we are becoming and what our values are and perhaps what our next purpose is often enough or reevaluating what our vision is. And to your point, I think many people, I mean, again, I've experienced this. You get kind of stuck in, but this is the way I started it and this is the direction I went in. And so by golly, it's working and I'm going to really make it work. You know, even though it feels like something's just a little off, it just feels like it just feels a little off. You're just not as happy with it or not as joyful, or you just know there's another place you're being called to go. Um, But that is really scary, you know? Um, It is scary, but let's call it out. You know, even if you have a seven figure, multiple seven figure business, the more you grow, the more you spend. You know, you're still, you know, if you're doing a good job, you're maintaining a 30% profit margin. So profits are growing over time, but it's so is expense. So is responsibility. So is your payroll. You're responsible for the caring, feeding of more families. And so I think we have to call it out and say, hey, it's okay. If you want to grow a $300,000 business or a $500,000 business as a solopreneur with a fractional staff, then that's cool. Go do that. Not everybody needs to be a gazillionaire. Yeah. Yeah. The key is, is it aligned? Is it where you're being called to serve? Yeah. I love that. that, What made me think of um, what we need to do is take more timeouts. So instead of hitting burnout, take a timeout. Um, What saved me in the early days was uh, going on silent meditation retreats for two Mm -hmm. weeks a year. Mm. And that's harder and harder to do these days just because of the way the world is and you know the responsibilities we have as entrepreneurs. But even if you take a weekend, you know, four times a year, once a quarter, to just check out and go to a retreat center or go to a yoga center or go to a spa mm-hmm. and just bring a journal and be out in nature and move your body and have someone make your food. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a beautiful way to reevaluate and keep in touch and where are we going here? What do I want now? More time for thinking. You know, I be- I believe that's something that entrepreneurs are not 
intentionally weaving into their schedules and their calendars on a daily, weekly, quarterly, yearly basis. I was listening to, I'm a really big fan of John Maxwell. And I was listening to his podcast, kind of binge listening the other day. And he was talking about that. And he said, one of the hardest things for a leader to do is to press pause and stop long enough to think. And as the leader, it's your job to be the one who's thinking. And most of us want to race. We want to stay busy. We love results. We love to take action. We love to move on an idea as soon as we have it before we're thinking. And then you just sort of get caught in this tumbleweed of go, 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 go. And you don't even know where you're going and why you're going there. And then you get there and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't what I wanted. So I love that piece of advice, taking out more intentional time to think. Yeah. Awesome, Deb. Well, I could keep chatting with you. I've loved this conversation. You're such a delight. Uh, You just have so much wisdom um, as a person with your corporate background, the way that you have navigated your business through all the changes that you and all of us have seen over the last 10 years, not just in the business world and technology, but also just in our culture and society. It's been a little crazy for the last couple of years. So if someone wants to learn more about you, connect with you on social media, through your website, tell us how they can do that. Thanks so much. Uh, LinkedIn is my platform of choice. Um, definitely connect with me there. I'm Deb Boulanger. I think I'm the only Deb Boulanger on LinkedIn, so it's easy to find. And uh, the podcast is Life After Corporate. So would love for your listeners to tune in. And Megan, we need to reschedule you on my show yeah, um, as well. And um, yeah, and if people would like to, to play with that pricing calculator, you can can get that from the great doover.com and that's a uh, great D O O V E R.com slash pricing. Awesome. All that is in the show notes below. So you can go click on those links, connect with Deb on LinkedIn, download that free resource. It sounds incredible. I think I'm going to go download it myself. <laughs> Thanks so much, Deb, for being here. And I look forward to more conversations in the future. Yes, absolutely. Megan, thanks so much for having me on the show. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.